Welcome to Soccer, a Perspective for Parents, where we'll be discussing what the coaches and refs really wish you, the parent, knew about the beautiful game. The goal of this podcast is to bridge knowledge gap between the parents, that's you, and the coaches and refs. I will attempt to explain the game and rules in a way you can understand. That way, when you're out there watching Timmy, you can just enjoy the game. Today, we'll be discussing Laws 5 and 6, which are about the referee and the the other match officials, so the linesman. And in some games, you have the, they have other referees at different spots. The show notes will be on the webpage, which is soccerperspectiveforparents.com. If you want to go there, pause it real quick, go there, bring up the show notes so you can follow along. In the show notes, there's also a link that you can go to and download the laws of the game, FIFA's laws of the game, so you can actually look at the law. Uh, it should be at the bottom in online sources. It will take you to USSF's webpage where you can then click on the, uh, a link and download it. So law five, the referee. This goes over everything about the referee. The authority of the referee. Ref has full authority to enforce the laws of the game in connection with the match. As far as the match is concerned, the ref is the ultimate authority. Number two, decisions of the referee. Referees will make their decisions according to the laws of the game and within the spirit of the game to the best of their abilities and based on their opinions. They have discretion to act within what the laws allow them to do. Any decision the refs make are final, and the refs' decision and those of the other match officials should always be respected. Once a ref has restarted play, they cannot change that decision even if they realize it was an incorrect call or get advice from another match official. The same applies if they have called the end of a half, extra time, or left the field to play or abandoned the match. So basically what he's saying is if he restarts play, he can't make the change. If he wants to make a change to his call, he has to do it before he restarts the play. And he can't change anything after the halftime is over, after extra time is over, or after everybody's left the field or the match is over. Basically, once play restarts, that's the call. There's no going back. If he only left the field to play to instruct players to return, he can change the call. The same applies if the ref is leaving to go to the referee review area. That doesn't apply because if he's going to the referee review area, he's going for VAR, video after review, and that doesn't happen in youth sports, so it, that's just there to for education. And also, so you know, the referee review area is where the ref goes to watch a review of the play to make sure he got the call right. Only if another match official had seen and tried to communicate an offense to the ref and were not able to, for whatever reason, can a disciplinary sanction be issued after restart? The restart associated with the sanction doesn't apply. So if a linesman sees somebody do something, but he wasn't able to get to the ref before the ref restarted it, they can go back and, like, say, give a card to that player for whatever he did. But they can't change the way the play restarted. So if he restarted it for the offense and defense committed a foul behind the play that the ref didn't see, the linesman saw it, tried to tell the ref, the ref wasn't able to get in touch with the ref, and it would have changed it to a kick for the defense, that kick stands, but they can go back and card that player. If the ref is incapacitated, the play may continue with the other match officials keeping track of the game. That is, until the ball goes out of play, though. Once the ball goes out of play, they have to stop play and go check on the referee and see if they can get him back up and running. Three, powers and duties. Duties of the ref are to enforce the laws of the game, control the match with the help of the other match officials. He's also a timekeeper, keeps track 
of the match and provides a match report to the appropriate authorities. The match report includes stuff like disciplinary action, incidents that occur before, during, or after the match, the scores, all that stuff. He also supervises and or indicates the restart of play. Advantage. If a foul occurs, the ref will call advantage to allow the team that did not commit the foul to continue with play if they are able to benefit from the play continuing. If the play does not end up benefiting the non-offending team or a few seconds has passed, then the play can be stopped and the foul can be brought back. So what's saying here is if the player, let's say you goes in for a slide tackle and kind of trips up the player, but it bobbles out in front and the offending team, the team that's attacking, gets it right in front of goal, he can call advantage to see how that play goes out. That way, they have the chance to score the goal. If it doesn't pan out, like say he bought that player bobbles the ball and a defender gets to it, the player, the referee can then call the bring the play back and go from where the foul is. Advantage is a great thing. I wish more uh, referees would take a uh, use it. One of the things, one of the ways you'll know they're calling advantage is they're going to put their hands up either straight out in front or one of them out in front of them, and they'll yell out advantage. Disciplinary action. When more than one foul occurs at the same time, the more serious foul is punished. Gives players disciplinary action when they commit a foul. Authority to discipline starts from the pregame match inspection until the match ends. This includes extra time and PKs. The reason they say extra time and PKs in there is technically you could say the match has ended when extra time starts. And PKs come after extra time. So you could, somebody could lawyer them in, into saying, Hey, well, the match technically ended at extra time. So they just add that in there to cover themselves. If anything happens before this time frame, the ref can prevent any player that got a sending off offense or red card from playing in the game. The ref will then report the misconduct to whoever he needs to report them to. They have the power to issue cards. Yellow card, which is a warning, and red card, which is a sending off. They also have the ability to temporarily send off players if the competition allows it. So think uh, the penalty box in hockey. I think they give about a blue cards for that in arena. And they also control players entering the field from the match start, including halftime, X-time, and PKs. Can issue warnings or yellow cards and send off or red cards to team officials. If sent off, that team official must leave the field of play and immediate area around the field. This includes the technical area. If you don't know what I mean about technical area, it's episode 10, laws 1 and 2. If you need a refresher, go back and see what that is. If the person that committed the offense cannot be identified, then the senior coach present in the technical area will get the sanction. If it's a medical official and the team has no other medical officials to help out, they can remain in the area and work on players who need them. Refs also may take the advice of other match officials if they have not seen an incident. Injuries. If the player is only slightly injured, play may continue until the ball is out of play. If player is seriously injured, play is stopped and referee ensures players are moved from the field. Players cannot be treated on the field and can only re-enter after the play is restarted. That doesn't happen as often as it needs to. If players are going to get treated, they're supposed to come off the field, but you see them all the time get treated on the field. If the ball is in play, they have to re-enter from a touch line. If it's out of play, they can re-enter from any boundary line. The exceptions to this are is if a goalie is injured, a goalie and another player have collided and need attention, 
play, two players from the same team have collided and need attention. A severe injury has happened. Or a player is injured from a physical offense where the opponent is cautioned or sent off and the assessment slash treatment is quick. So those are the only thing where you don't have to worry about the referee taking the pl- making the player get off the field. They give the player extra time to, uh, to deal with all this type of stuff. Any player that is bleeding must leave the field and they can only re-enter when the referee, nobody else, when the referee is convinced that the bleeding has stopped and there's no blood on their equipment. The ref will then signal for the player to return to the field and the player can't come on until the referee tells them to come on. This is where a fourth official comes in handy and help in looking at this stuff, but the referee does the best he can. If doctors and stretcher bearers are allowed to enter the field to treat a player, the player must leave the field either on a stretcher or by foot. If the player does not leave, he will be cautioned. So if they're going to bring a doctor or a stretcher onto the field, you have to go off the field. No, no questions about it. So if a player gets injured while he's committing a foul, the referee has to show the card before the player can get off the field. If play is stopped just for an injury or an injury happens with no foul attached to it and play is stopped, then a drop ball is used to restart the play. Outside interference. The ref will stop, suspend, or call the match if the floodlights are inadequate, if a spectator throws an object that hits a match official, player, or team official. The ref can continue the match or choose to suspend or abandon depending on how severe the incident is. So if it's like one little thing that gets thrown, hits a player, they'll probably take their time, check them out, and then continue the game. Now if it's like, a whole stadium just chunking stuff down onto the field, the referee's probably going to abandon the match. If someone blows a whistle that interferes with play, play is stopped. If it hasn't already stopped, because people, when they hear whistles, they tend to stop. So if it hasn't already stopped, the referee will stop the play and restart uh, with a drop ball. If an extra ball, object, or animal enters the field, the referee will stop play if it interferes with the play. He'll restart that play with a drop ball. The only time he won't stop play is if the ball is going in goal and whatever's on the field doesn't prevent the defender from playing the ball. If the goal is scored, it's awarded. Even if contact was made with the ball, unless it was by the attacking team. Then he'll have it removed at the earliest opportunity if it doesn't interfere with play. The referee also does not allow unauthorized people to enter the field. Four, video assistant referee, or what they call VAR. Does not apply to you, so we'll skip over this unless somebody asks for me to go over it. Five, referee's equipment. Compulsory or equipment they have to have. A whistle, a watch. Hopefully, generally, most referees have backups on both of those. Yellow cards and red cards, and they'll have a notebook or some kind of means of keeping records on them as well. Other equipment. Refs may use communication equipment to talk to each other, and they can also use EPTS or other fitness monitoring equipment. EPTS was in the last podcast, the uh, players and players equipment. So if you want to hear what EPTS is, go back to that one. This is, it's just like fitness monitoring equipment that generally they wear around their chest. Rest may not wear jewelry or have any other electronic equipment other than the stuff, communications equipment, not, not even cameras to help them watch and do all that. This also applies to all other on-field officials. Six, referee signals. 
I'll try to provide them in the show notes. I don't think I'm going to be able to figure out how to put them in there. If you want to see them, you can go to the link that I have in online sources and look in the laws of the game. They have a great, they have a great graphic in the laws of the game that show you. But real quick, I'll try and tell them to you so you have an idea. So the first signal we have is penalty kick. Basically, they're point directly at the penalty spot. Indirect free kick, they're going to stand with their hand directly up, which is signals an indirect free kick. Direct free kick, they'll point towards the goal. So that way you know it's a direct free kick. Advantage, you have one of two ways where they'll basically put their arms straight out in front of them. One, uh, both arms straight out in front of them, or they'll put one arm, or one arm straight out in front of them. And when they do that, they'll also yell advantage. For a corner kick, they'll put their arm up at a 45 degree angle and point over towards the corner kick. Goal kick, they'll point down at a 45 degree angle, usually pointing at one of the two corners of the six yard box. Yellow card, red card, they just stand up with the card and do it directly up in the air, kind of at the direction of the person they're giving it to. Then you have two other ones where it's check and they'll put a finger to their ear and uh, a review. They'll do a uh, make a rectangle box with their arms, but you won't see either of those two in youth soccer. Seven, liability of match officials. Rests or other match officials are not held liable for any injury suffered by player, official, or spectator, damage to any property, any loss suffered by individual, club, company, association, or other body which is due or may be due to any decision taken under the terms of the laws of the game or in respect of the normal procedures required to hold, play, and control a match. Such decisions may include a decision that the condition of the field or its surroundings or that the weather conditions are such as to allow or not allow a match to take place, to abandon the match for whatever reason, as to suitability of the field equipment and ball used during the match, to stop or not stop a match due to spectator interference or problem in spectator areas, to stop or not stop play to allow an injured player to be removed from the field for treatment, to require an injured player to be removed from the field for treatment, to allow or not allow a player to wear certain clothing or equipment, where the ref has the authority to allow or not allow any person to be present in the vicinity of the field. This includes team or stadium officials, security officers, photographers, and other media. Any other decision taken in accordance with the laws of the game or in conformity with their duties under the terms of FIFA, Confederation, National Football Association, or competition rules or regulations under which the match is played. To sum it up, you can't sue a ref for anything they do or don't do related to the match. So you can't sue them for injuries, lost money because you didn't play a game, and a bunch of other stuff. Law 6. The other match officials. Other match officials are two assistant referees, linesmen, fourth official, two additional assistant referees, reserve assistant referee, video assistant referee, VAR, and at least one assistant VAR. AVAR. All these may be appointed for a match. Usually during youth, though, the most you'll see is a center ref and two assistant referees. 
all of these are to assist the referee, but the referee has the final decision, so they can't overrule the de- refer- referee in a decision. Referee can overrule them, though. Referee, assistant referees, fourth official, additional assistant referees, and reserve assistant referees are all on-field officials, or on-field match officials. All match officials are under the direction of the referee. If one commits an undue interference or improper conduct, the referee will relieve them of their duties and report to the appropriate authorities. On-field match officials assist the referee when they have a better view of play and must submit a report to appropriate authorities on a serious misconduct or incident that occurred out of view of the referee and other match officials. They must advise the referee and other match officials of the report that they're going to make. On-field match officials assist the referee in inspecting the field, the balls, and players' equipment, and also to see if any problems have been resolved. They also assist in keeping time and recording goals, misconducts, all that type of stuff. Competition must state who replaces a match official who cannot start or continue a match or any any other associated change. In particular, they have to name the replacement of the referee if they cannot start or continue. They, they got to decide whether or not the senior linesman or senior assistant referee or the fourth official are going to replace that referee if he can't continue. Number one, the assistant referee. They indicate when the whole ball leaves the field of play and which team gets a corner kick, goal kick, or a throw in. Now, when I talk about the whole ball leaves the field of play, if you know from the field of play law, I believe it's law one, that they say that the outside line is the outside edge of the field, that the lines are part of the field. So the outside edge of that line is what the whole ball has to cross over. It's not like football where it just has to touch the line. The whole ball has to cross over that outside edge of the line. They also indicate when a player in an offside position may be penalized. If you listen to episode nine where we talked about offsides, you'll understand the difference between being in an offsides position and when you're penalized for being in an offsides position. They also indicate when someone wants to substitute. During PKs, they watch to see if the goalie left the line before the ball was kicked and if the ball crossed the line or if the ball fully crosses the line. If there's an additional referee down there that uh, appointed, then they line up on uh, with the penalty mark. They also assist in monitoring the substitution procedure. They may also come on the field to help with it, to help controlling the ten yard distance or the nine point one five meter distance required for kicks. Number two, fourth official. They assist with supervising the subbing process. They check the players and subs equipment. They also assist with the player's re-entry once approved by the referee. They supervise the replacement balls. They show how much extra time the referee is going to have at the end of halves and extra time. They also inform the referee of any irresponsible behavior in the technical area. If you need a refresh on the technical area, I think that's also law one. Three, additional assistant referee. They indicate when the whole ball passes over the goal line. This includes for goals. Which team gets goal kick or corner kick? I'm not exactly sure why they word it that way because only one team or the other can get a goal kick or a corner kick. If a team's getting a goal kick, they can't get a corner kick at the same time. If a team's getting a corner kick, they can't get a goal kick at the same time. Basically, the attacking team can 
only get a corner kick and the defending team can only get a goal kick. So I don't know why they word it that way, but that's how they word it. Also during PKs, they watch if the goalkeeper moves off the goal line before the ball is kicked and if the whole ball crosses the line for goal during it. They take that away from the linesman so the linesman can just focus on other things and what's going on on around the backside of the box. Mainly the additional assistant referee got put there because of that and also to help watch for things that happen in the box during uh, corner kicks. Number four, reserve assistant referee. They're just there to replace any assistant referee or the fourth official if they get hurt. Five, video match officials. Not going to see them in the youth, so we're not going to go into depth on them. For educational purposes, they're just there to help the referee in the center by reviewing film and having it ready to go when the ref calls for it. They can't overrule the ref. The ref has the final decision in any call. Number six, assistant referee signals. This is going to be, I'm going to try and put it in the dock just like for the referee signals that I talked about earlier. But if I don't get them in there, same thing applies. Go to the reference section down at the bottom you'll find a link where you can go download and you can look at them they have a great graphic form but i'll give you a quick rundown so if reference for substitutions is their first signal they'll stand straight up and hold their flag parallel letting the flag hang down that's a sign for substitution if they see something happen and they're going to call for a free kick they stand and they hold the flag straight up and they move wave it side to side to let the referee know there's a foul and there should be a free kick. And when the ref calls on them, they'll point the direction of the free kick. Throw in is they'll stand there, basically point the flag at a 45 degree angle, either left or right, depending on which who's getting the throw in. They'll point it for the direction the team that's going to get the throw in. Corner kick, 45 degree angle down towards the corner. Goal kick. Directly across, they'll stand in line with the edge of the goal goal box. Point directly across at the goal box. Offsides, flag straight up. And then from there, when the referee makes the call, they'll, and I went over this in the offsides podcast, they'll either point down at a 45-degree angle, which means the, the ball needs to be on the near side from them. Straight across like they would for the goal kick means it needs to be in the middle of the field. 45 degree angle up means it's on the far side of the field from them. Number seven, additional assistant referee signals. So same as above, they'll, they have a graphic and there's only one signal and it's for a goal and they'll just point down the field for a goal. They do that if it's not super clear that it's a goal. If it's close, then they do that. Just for your education as well. It's also taught for linesmen. When there's a goal scored, you turn around and sprint up field with your hand pointed down at a 45-degree angle in front of you. Set for laws 5 and 6. Got some things of note. Show notes are at the webpage, as always. Soccer, a perspective for parents.com. The link will be there where you can download the laws of game and follow along. I have my email going, soccerpodcastforparents at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything else you want me to discuss or bring up, Go ahead and drop me a line and let me know. Next week will be Laws 7 and 8, the duration of the match, and the start and restart of play. Depending on the length of those, I may add some more. They are actually fairly short, so we're probably looking at adding maybe Laws 9 and 10 as well. Stay tuned. I'll make that decision 
as it comes. So stay tuned on that. And as always, thanks for listening. And let's try to remember, the kids are out there for fun, and let's have a good day.